Hello and welcome to Cognition with Abhirami Veena. So I've been missing for like two or three weeks. I'm a computer engineer. I have work. Sometimes things don't happen as planned. So anyway, the breaking news of this week is that Christmas is this week. Woohoo! Christmas celebrations! I'm so excited to finally get like a few days off to relax and calm down and be with family and etc etc. So oftentimes when I come to people and I'm like, so what are your Christmas plans? I live in Chennai and the response is like, I'm a Hindu. I don't celebrate Christmas. I'm Muslim. I don't celebrate Christmas. My mom's like, I'm not Christian. But it's interesting how I don't view Christmas as just a religious holiday. Christmas to me means many things. And growing up in California, it always felt like more than just a religious holiday. Christmas meant that the entire town would be decorated. It meant that for an entire month, people would be excited to be around each other, to be happy. I mean, at school, Christmas was the best time possible. Everyone would be so busy decorating things, doing crafts. We'd have cookie parties where you'd like, everyone would bring cookies and you'd all exchange them. You'd have so many different things happening around Christmas time. And if you walk down the downtown of the city, it'd be so beautifully decorated. And there were so many nights where my parents and my sister and me would just take the car out and drive around the city because all of the lights were so nice. So to me, Christmas was never like a religious event. It was more just like a time to be happy and cheerful and grateful for life in so many different ways. I mean, if you come to office and you see my desk, you can see it's like Christmas threw up everywhere. I've decorated everything. There's so many colors. To me, Christmas means colors. It means taking a break from maybe like your day job or like exhausting things that make your mind like want to have some time off. So Christmas is not just a religious holiday. And I think, I mean, it, it depends on your personal opinion, but I feel like Christmas is something that all of us should celebrate, just like how we all celebrate New Year's. I mean, and do we really need an excuse to celebrate? If you tell me that today is a holiday for whatever reason, I'm ready to celebrate. So that's how I see Christmas. What are my Christmas plans? My Christmas plans are to finish editing my book. So if you don't know, I'm writing a book called A Lockdown of Love, Join Me on a Journey of Self-Love. Basically during the lockdown, I had this like six month period where I could have chosen to do so many different things, but I decided that, okay, I need to work on making myself the best version of me with respect to self-care, mental wellness, and mental health. So I was at home, I didn't have much to do. So I pursued things like doing yoga, doing meditation, writing in a journal daily, thinking about life, thinking about places where I have mental blockades, working on those opinions and judgments and reconsidering my morals and how I react to situations and things like anger management or being emotional for silly things, being sensitive, trying to fix how I react to people when they say things that aren't super nice. Like one of the major drawbacks of my personality is I don't like to be teased and I take it quite seriously and things like that are things that don't help me. I mean, it's not about how I react to other people, rather it's about how that reaction to other people affects me in turn. So I'm writing a book about that journey of six months and the things that I've learned and potentially if you're looking for self-care and mental help, these things would be things that might help you 
achieve some success in those areas in an easier route because I have like tools written down of how to go through these processes, the steps, the things you may want to consider, the things you may need to think about. You can think of it sort of like a guide as well as like a sneak peek of my life and the things and trials and tribulations that I go through and etc etc. So the first round of editing has been done and then I had some line art done this week and put it into the book and still editing is going on so it's coming together really well like the book cover is almost finalized so many things are falling into place and the really interesting part about it is that I'm self-publishing and so I'm learning how to do so many things at the same time like I applied for an ISBN number I didn't know what that was till like three weeks ago there's so many factors of self-publishing I understand why you need a publishing company and that is a separate thing from being an author because writing the book itself is like this huge process where first you go through, you write an outline and then you write a book and then you have a first manuscript and then you edit it so many times and when you're editing it, the book becomes something completely different from what you expected in the beginning and you're thinking about the reader engaging the audience and all these things. And then once you have a manuscript, that's when this entire other set of work comes into play with publishing. Like, there is a definite need for a publishing company. Or if you're going to self-publish, you have to realize that it's just as time-consuming and just as complicated. The list of steps that are in self-publishing is phenomenal. Like, there's so many things you have to consider and think about and decide. The major part of, like, self-publishing is deciding. You have so many different options as to what you can do. So which option are you gonna use? Are you gonna use the Amazon's version of self-publishing? Are you gonna use some other company that's maybe specific to your country? There's so many different things to consider. Is it gonna be an ebook, an audiobook, um, on-demand print book, those type of things. So it's been really interesting to do that research and look into it. So, and I've been following so many self-published authors to see like what they're up to, how to do it, kind of following their footsteps. So I've really been enjoying that. So that's what I'll be doing over the Christmas break. I will be working on my personal work in my Christmas break that I'm hoping to take, aside from spending time with family. So that's the breaking news of the week. And the book suggestion for this week is actually another book that I got from my school library. And I think I got this book in third grade. It's a book called Glad Tidings written by Debbie McComber. I think I'm saying that right. I'm not sure. Her name's Debbie. So in this book called Glad Tidings, there's, there's two stories. It's like a, two short stories put together in one book, but it's not short. It's pretty long. It's like a thick book but there's two stories. There's one story called Here Comes Trouble and another story called There's Something About Christmas. I haven't read There's Something About Christmas. Actually, before I looked up this book and author so to tell you guys, I only knew it as Here Comes Trouble because when I got the book from the library, it was already so tattered that I guess it was only half the book, but I didn't know that at the time. I mean, I was in third grade. So the book, I knew it as Here Comes Trouble, and I put that into Google, and I couldn't find it until I did some digging, and then only I understood, oh, it's part of this book that there's another story for it, but anyway, tangent. So this book, called Here Comes Trouble, is probably the first book I read that was like a romantic novel, in the terms that it's like super sappy, basically on Christmas, uh, 
Eve, I think, or like the day before the Christmas season, these kids are asking their parents how they met and their love story. So then the parents narrate the love story as their bedtime story. And then in the morning, their grandparents bring them puppies for gifts that they've been waiting for for like a really long time and asking for. So the entire story is about their parents' love story and it's super cute. And it was probably, it was basically the first book that I ever read that was like of the genre of love stories and stuff. So till then I'd probably only seen love stories like Cinderella, Ariel, you know, Disney things. And then to go away from Disney things and look at a story like that was so nice. I think for the longest time, it was one of my favorite love stories. It's a really cute story about like a writer and uh, uh, someone who writes for the newspaper and a woman trying to get out of her dad's shadow who's like a huge person in the newspaper industry and wants to do her own thing and set out her own path and she meets this writer and like their chemistry and whatever and it's super cute so i really like this book if you're looking for a good christmas feel good book to read during your christmas holidays i would really suggest that you read this book especially if you like sappy romance so that's that i love that book so next my two cents of the week there's a reason why i've been missing for like three weeks it's because the last two and a half three weeks have been quite challenging with terms of work and being busy and personal life and trying to edit the book and etc and etc and one of the things that i learned in the last two weeks is to not let a bad day make you think that it's a bad week a bad day is just a bad day. You don't need to take it further than that. When you're having a bad moment, you don't need to think about things beyond that. Like, is the next moment going to be bad? No, if you're having a bad moment, it's okay to feel down. It's normal. You're human. Having a bad moment is fine. But at the back of your head, you should realize that this bad moment can't persist forever. This bad moment is going to end at some point. It's like when you're at the beach and you're watching the waves, sometimes you think that one wave is gonna be really big, but then it crashes very soon and it becomes a tiny wave that just tickles your feet instead of sweeping you into the ocean, right? Same. A bad day doesn't mean that you're gonna have a bad week or a bad month or your, the entire life is going to be mad. No, it's not like that. If you're having a bad day, it's a moment, you're struggling, you're going to get past the struggle. and. A testament to this, if you look back in your life, I am sure there will be moments where you're having bad moments, but when you look, when you look, you'll be able to see that you were able to come out of those moments and those bad moments actually teach you things. If you only have good moments in your life, you're never going to learn anything. You're just going to be static. But if you have these bad moments, you learn things, you understand things, you're able to become a stronger person. I also have the belief that problems only come to people strong enough to face them and get through them and cross that hurdle. Otherwise, that problem isn't even going to present it to yourself because you're not going to be leaving your comfort zone and creating an opportunity to have a bad day. So a bad day is not a bad thing. It's just a bad moment. So my two senses, it's okay. We're going to be okay. We'll get over it. So that has been my breaking news, the book, and my two cents for the week. It was pretty short because I didn't want to not record this week and just continue my absence on my podcast. I mean, we're only on the first like five podcasts, right? There shouldn't be a gap right away. So that's how things are going. So this week, what chapter of The Golden Spoon shall we read? Um, let me open it.
Chapter 4 ABCD American Born Confused Daisy Unseen Hurricanes First storm brings along excitement. The pain and fear is hidden behind an overpowering feeling of confidence, the confidence of survival and rescue. Second storm brings along boredom. The confidence refuses to back down, but invisible to the eye, a crack. Third storm brings along rage. The crack is steeled, sealed with the white cement of hope and belief, the need to find the eye, either by footpath or forging a trail through the resilient rains. Fourth storm brings along despair, a desperate last attempt for safety, a last chance to recover all that has been lost. Fifth storm brings along numbness, beaten and bruised, the world appears to be in shambles, a will to find a way out gone, an acceptance of failure. Its purpose complete, the hurricane bids farewell, baby blue skies and seashore white clouds, yet belief, hope, trust, and faith have all been washed away without a trace. All that's left is doubt, lies, uncertainty, and anguish. After two rom-coms, two hours of sleep, two layovers, baggage claim, and immigration, I am finally going down the ramp that lead to Amelia and Kurt. The ramp was only about 50 feet long, but it took me back 10 years. The last time I had wanted to walk up this very same ramp, it hadn't been as simple. I had been younger, unassured, filled with fire. There was a lot of people that I needed to prove wrong. Most importantly, I had to prove myself wrong. I hadn't tested the water before jumping in. I had just cannonballed because of one word. My Spanish teacher in middle school had been talking about third world countries and how blessed we were to be living in America. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I still have this problem today. If I feel something needs to be defended, I will. I prattled on that I wanted to go live in a third world country and that is one of my three biggest dreams. I told her I was proud to be Indian and that Indian w India was a beautiful country. The people who lived there were just as blessed. My face was probably set in a childishly stubborn expression because she didn't try to argue. Instead, all she said was that I was going through a cultural identity crisis. It was like she took an axe, cleaved my heart in two, walked all over the pieces till they became rubble, and then turned around and set them on fire. I hadn't been in pain because I had been embarrassed in front of the class. I hadn't been in pain because she was being mean. I hadn't been in pain because she had ridiculed my dream. I had been in pain because it had only taken her three words to see through me. Teachers talk, just as students gossip. My Spanish teacher knew I had been doing a project on India in computer class, writing an essay about Hinduism in English, reading about Indian princes in the library, and painting a peacock in art. Every time I had gotten to choose a topic in any class, I had chosen something that was related to my roots. I had been digging. American literature, history, food, music, and entertainment were all an active part of my life. The things I dreamed about learning were across the ocean. At home, I lived a 100% Tamilian life, so when I ventured outside, the cultural clashes threw me off balance. Short shorts, going to dances with boys, racism, discrimination, expectation, respect, silence, and language all made me feel like I was bleeding slowly to death. I dressed conservatively, but that didn't win help me win points with intimidating cheerleader types. I didn't go to dances with boys, but that didn't make it easier to talk to them. I didn't act white, but that didn't help change biased opinions. I didn't act Indian, but that didn't help my Indian aunties and uncles understand my talkative nature. I didn't fake silence, but that didn't help me fit in the box labeled perfect petite Indian girl. 
I'm not the type to just allow anything to happen. I believe that everything has a reason and the world is black and white. I was in the middle of a cultural identity crisis. My Spanish teacher was right and it had hurt that she could see it. It had hurt that I was hiding the truth. It had hurt that I couldn't find the answers. It had hurt that I didn't know who I was. It had hurt that I couldn't change anything about what I was. It had hurt that there wasn't a box labeled go to me. It had hurt that I wasn't able to find the proper name for what I was. It had hurt that I felt like I needed to choose between pumpkin pie and globe jam. Pain is a sign that you need to fix something. If you never feel pain, you never grow. I'm grateful for that pain. If I was digging into my roots, then why not go straight to them? That's what I did. But getting the moving process into place wasn't easy. The ramp ends abruptly at the entrance of the LAX airport and my thoughts turn to looking for Amelia. When Gaudemi had left the house, she had forbade Gayatri from using her stuff without asking first. My older daughter was OCD about her possessions. She rarely claimed anything as hers, but she was protective over her small collection of personal objects. Her shrine of Ganesh statues, her red Converse shoes, her books, her art supplies, and her odd knickknacks that she collected were very dear to her. I was the only one allowed to go through her things and that was just to keep her room clean during her absence. Gaudemi's table was more her display stand than a table. She rarely used it to study, preferring to follow me around while studying. Oftentimes, the kitchen floor was her study area, or she'd use the dining table. Her table always had whatever current assortment of things made her feel happy. A few years ago, she had gone through a car phase. Her table had become a mini parking lot for toy cars. At the moment, her table held family photos, a few drawings, and a collection of fancy green ink pens. As I dusted her room, a picture of the four of us in front of our old house in Fullerton caught my eye. I was wearing a bright yellow churidar and mart. Her classmates hadn't agreed, but she had worn them proudly. She always thought my fashion sense was impeccable. My husband Chandru was standing to the right of me. His mouth was open as if the picture had been taken mid-sentence. Godami got her talking skills from her dad. My face was smiling and we looked so happy. My kajal-rimmed eyes told a different story. Whenever I would send my parents pictures from Fullerton to India, my mom would ask me if I was okay. Mothers can always see through everyone. I had loved Fullerton, but I have always been homesick. I loved cricket with an obsessive edge. I had missed the multi-religious era that was reflect respectful and understanding. My heart had never grown to feel at home in America. When Gautami had brought up moving, I had been her first supporter. I'm glad I made that decision. My girls have grown up exactly as I had hoped, and they understood the culture they need to carry with them. I set the picture down with a smile, but the smile turns into a worried line. Gautami was often swept into action by her emotions. Moving here was an emotional decision, and Fullerton had been her hometown. She missed it often. She hid it well, but I could always see it now and then. I really hope she doesn't choose to settle down there. Her offer from the company she worked at Red Dot was throwing all my plans into chaos. Me and Chandra were looking for an alliance for her and she was often she was off trying to decide whether she would give Fullerton a second chance. Apparently now she was mature enough to make her own decisions. All I could see was my baby doll. I didn't want to clip her wings, but I certainly didn't want her moving either. Chandra had been the one to convince me to let her make the right decision for herself. Chandra was right, of course, but Chandra and Gautami were like reflections of one another. They found it hard to see negatives to anything. They were both so positive that sometimes it was painful to watch. 
What if she ended up falling in love with someone there? What if we packed up and left again to be with her? What if the family saw her acts as rebellion? What if things just went wrong? Who was cooking healthy food her for her? Who was tucking her into bed? She may be 24, but that doesn't make a difference once she stepped foot into the house. I exhale and got a hold of myself. Okay, motherly instincts, please turn off. I mutter to myself. Gayatri comes bounding into the room. Amma, college got out early today. I didn't hear the bell. Sorry, Chillam. I gave her a hug. Gayatri likes to be greeted at the door with a huge hug. No problem. She stops and tilts her head. Who's worrying about Akka now? She raises an eyebrow. I'm fine. Come on, let's go annoy Appa. Maybe we can convince him to take us shopping. You always need more outfits for college, I wink. She sticks her tongue out and we both go to the living room to find Chandra watching TV. So that's a chapter from The Golden Spoon. Thank you for listening and hopefully we'll be back probably after the New Year's. So happy holidays, you all. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. uh, Happy New Year. Everything. All of it. I hope you're having a good day, good evening, good morning, whatever time it is that you are listening to this. Join us next time. This has been Cognition with Abirami Veena.